All right. This is Clifford the Doorway, too. Hanging out with, with Austin from Suicide Forest. Thanks for doing this on a, a wonderful Easter Sunday. <laughs> you have me. <laughs> um, so, uh, again, uh, really do appreciate you doing this. I, I guess I'll start off with the, the, the simplest question is, uh, I started listening to you with the split with Chrome Waves. So that's where I actually I, I actually heard you for the first time. Uh uh, Jeff gave me praises of you and told me to check you out. So that was kind of like, what do you, that's kind of how it happened. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I really kind of got caught up in the, the atmosphere and the, the, it, there's almost melody in what you do, like that I really dig where a lot of like, you know, depressive uh, black metal doesn't have that melody. It has that sorrow, but I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit as a songwriter uh, is that melody really important to you? Because I hear it a whole lot in a new record as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as the riffs that I put together, I try to pay attention a lot to voice leading, uh, which is like basically the idea where it's like if you have two voices, you don't just want them to move like in the same direction all the time. You kind of want them to, if you're having two voices, you have them move around each other. And uh, it creates like... I studied composition, so thinking about like old music, the way they used to write like vocal music and stuff like that. I really, I, I think about guitar playing in a very similar way, especially for this kind of music. Cool, um, yeah, because you could definitely hear it. You can hear that there's an ebb and flow between the vocals, the guitars, and the overall tone of the record, uh, especially with the split as well too. Uh, the really cool thing that I liked about it, where there was a real good dichotomy with Chrome Waves and you, is you both have that kind of uh, and, and if this is something you don't like, sorry, it's what I hear, though. Uh, you both have this kind of really kind of post-rock and gothic overtone in what you do. Yours is more black metal. Theirs is more kind of avant-garde. But still, it's the same vibe. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit on as far as guitar tones and arrangements um, is that super important, like to make sure that it has that sadness, but yet has that catchiness to it as well? I mean, I've definitely uh, listened to my share of goth rock and gothic music. Gotcha. Uh, I'm not sure if I if it's a conscious thing that I'm doing or that I'm pulling from. I mean, honestly, uh, one of the interesting things about Suicide Force, I, I play in a bunch of different types of bands, and I've done a lot of, a lot of different types of music. But there's something really uh, just comes really natural when it comes to writing these kind of riffs. Like, to me, it almost seems like when I'm playing something and I put it together, it just seems like, oh, this is how it would obviously go. I don't really have to put too much thought into it. Like, I feel like, especially when it comes to the composition and arrangement, most of the work comes after the guitars and drums have been written. Gotcha. Yeah. So usually I'll, like, I'll start with, like, a guitar riff and I'll get the drums behind it. And then I'll start thinking about how can I make this more interesting when I do something different with the bass or with the synth. Very cool. Yeah, no, and, and, and again, I, that's what I hear all along, so at least I'm on the same page, and that's a good thing. Um, so I kind of wanted to ask, uh, how did you hook up with uh, Avant-Garde Records? Like, you were working with Disorder, with uh, Chrome Waves. I figured that's where the next release would come, and then all of a sudden I get this record from Avant-Garde. Like, how did you hook up with them, and why not work with Disorder again? Well, so Avant-Garde released the first full-length album. Okay. And so this was the follow-up to the full-length, the second... This is the second full length, so it's follow up to that. Uh, I actually, originally, the first full length was supposed to be released on another record label, and uh, it was basically done and getting ready to be released, but then a lot of problems happened with that label. But that's a whole other story. And, like, because so much work and money had gone into making the first, first record, uh, the people at that last uh, label 
helped me get the the deal with avant-garde and they were the ones who actually started the communications uh to get that first album released and then when that album uh that sold out on avant-garde we we're like well let's do another one nice nice that very cool um, yeah, Andrea is, uh, is is cool, so that's why yeah. I always again uh, always been really helpful, really supportive to me. So I I, I I can't say anything good things about that either. But uh, Jeff over at Disorder's been the same way. He he pretty much praised you to me, and that's where I heard you the first time. So that was kind of a nice thing as well too. So. Yeah, Jeff's def Jeff's always done like all of our merch, and uh, I'm definitely a fan of the stuff that he's been a part of. Even when he was still touring with Abigail Williams, like me and uh, Zach who plays bass and uh, does live bass in Suicide Forest, we would go and we would like get drunk with him and Ken behind like Club Red or whatever. Nice. Yeah, uh, Club Red, you just made me sad because I just found out that they closed down forever last month. It's like one of my favorite places to ever go, being that I live in Phoenix too. So, uh, so I, I kind of wanted to also ask, so being a one-man band and then going on uh, shows and, and playing live with a live setting, um, what what do you try and do differently from the one man side recording versus like when you hit the stage and perform? Is there different elements that you like to bring out when you have a live you know a, a, a live setting versus the recording? I think with the recording, I'm less focused on like the actual recording process itself and trying to think about kind of the whole the big picture, like creating the atmosphere and more of like the composition aspect of it. Like I don't really, I don't want to say I like don't pay attention to the like production aspect at all like that is a big part of it but I focus more on like what am I creating right now and like what's like almost all of the stuff that I've ever done for like the synth I would I like wrote it that day and like okay. like, like inspire you know just listen to the riffs a bunch uh think about like how where the harmony is moving to like think about what my hands are doing and how that's going to contrast and I don't really I just kind of let it happen when we go perform it, it's much more about kind of living and existing in that atmosphere as opposed to trying to build it. And, you know, especially when you have it like you're playing it and you're performing it with a group of people, uh, it's a lot more of a, an experience as opposed to like a creative process. So, I mean, you'd have to live under a rock to not know what Suicide Forest is being in, in this day and age, in this world. Uh, what drew you to that? I mean, I understand that it's in Japan. It's, you know, where people go depressed and uh, allegedly, I'll say, so we don't get in trouble here, right. <laughs> you know, murder or, or commit suicide. And what drew you to that as the setting for the, for the title of the band? Well, when I first put the project together, it was uh, like I had the idea for the band, maybe going back to even like 2014. Uh, yeah. And like, I just had an idea, like I wanted to do something that was like depressive black metal, but like heavy on the atmosphere. And it was like early or maybe late 2015 that I actually started writing stuff for it. And I'm, I just remember like, I was working at a tattoo shop at the time. And when you work as a piercer at a tattoo shop, you end up having a lot of free time. And so, you know, just perusing Facebook and just going through like the black metal meme pages and shit like that. I remember just coming across a couple of times, like mentions of a, a, a forest where people go to commit suicide. And I, you know, I didn't think like, oh, it's like that they call it the suicide forest. But in my mind, I was like, why isn't that a band name? <laughs> and I like, I looked it up and I couldn't find like any metal bands that were calling themselves suicide force. And like, that just sounds like the perfect name for a DSBM band. I don't know why anyone hasn't taken that. Good call. Yeah. And then it, 
it was one of those things. I, I, I don't think at the time I realized that like everyone kind of knew the suicide forest and it wasn't until after the first album was released that people started really associating that specific place with, or at least in my mind, I didn't recognize that people were calling that the suicide forest. Uh, like I knew it existed, but in my mind, I hadn't really made like the, Oh, I'm inspired specifically by this place. More of like the idea of there's a place, there's a forest where people go and it compels them to commit suicide. Sure. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, the name fits the, the, the music, the vocals, the style for sure. So I could totally see how, how the two uh, tie together. Um, so I'm going to ask because I have not had the pleasure of listening to your debut. Um, but I've, I've heard the split and I've heard this last record. Um, how does the first record differ in any way from the two releases I've heard? I don't think uh, it's as developed, honestly. I, I really think uh, the newest record, uh, Reluctantly, ended up being a lot more of what I was going for on the first album. Honestly, the first album came out a bit rushed, in my opinion, as both as far as the, the writing and the production. I was still uh, in school at the time. I was still trying to finish my undergrad, and so I was busy with that. Uh, and I was working and life was like kind of in a chaotic state. And I had just done, I did three suicide force demos the year before. Mm-hmm. And so I had kind of like the initial like inspiration for the project had been like, had gone into that. And so I think uh, when I wrote reluctantly, I had more time in between writing to really kind of re rethink about what this project is for me and where I want it to go and what it actually sounds like in my head. And I was able to take more time, especially like I, I took a lot more time with the lyrics than I usually do. Uh, and I was actually sitting on a lot of riffs for like I had one or two songs written and then it took me a, a while to get like the other three written as opposed to when I did the first album where it was like I wrote almost like seven songs in like a span of like three or four weeks and then just kind of picked from the best ones and arranged them a little bit differently and then went with those. These ones were a lot more... Uh, I let them kind of take longer to develop. Cool. Um, so I want to talk about a particular song off of Reluctantly that kind of drew me, called to me. Uh, and, and that's going to be track number four, which is uh, Trembling and Emptiness. And uh, I'm, I'm an old school Doom Death guy. I've been playing that kind of stuff for a really long time. And there's a really kind of Doom element in that song to me where the other ones have a lot more of a black metal overtone, but there's a really doomy kind of tone in there. And I don't know if you, again, just kind of happened, you know, or whatever, but I wanted to talk a little bit about that song in particular and uh, kind of how did it come about? Uh, You know, how do you feel about that song? Uh, You know, talk to me a little bit about that track. Uh, That song is kind of interesting. Originally, I wrote it not for Suicide Force. It was going to be for a different project. I was uh, in talks with someone and we were going to do like a, just like an atmospheric black metal thing and it was supposed to be two guitars. And so it was originally actually written with two guitar riffs. And I ended up, I really liked the direction of the song. And when I was putting stuff together for the new album, I knew I wanted to go to use that because the project that in question that it was written for ended up not happening anyways. And, uh, but I knew I didn't want a two, you know, two guitar riff. Like that wasn't, what I was going for, for this, for the feel of this album. And it actually took me a while to figure out what to do instead, because I had been listening to so to it for so long with the other guitar part. And I, uh, it took me a long time to figure out what to do with the synth particularly. Like, cause I was thinking like, Oh, it's, it was kind of melodic, like 
what I'm doing in the guitars on the final project is like what would be like the rhythm guitar. And then there was like a lead part over it that the other guitar was doing. But I ended up scrapping that old lead guitar part. And I was like, I'll just do the same thing on synth. But it ended up sounding really cheesy and not really, not really what I was going for. And it took me like actually like probably a two, two or three weeks of like really trying to think about and playing with what I was going to do with that synth part to get that to come out the way it was. And kind of the way I always have to do things is simplify it. Don't think, don't overthink it. And that's exactly yeah. what ended up happening. Cool. Well, the simplification made it really good. So that's all I'm going to say. So nice work. Cause that song kind of really, it calls to me. That one's a great track. So uh, I, I, it's, it's kind of one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you. Cause that's the one that it, it always keeps coming back to me over and over again. And that's the one I keep listening to a lot. Um, but uh, so Take no offense to what I say right now, because I always have to say this, but I think calling yourself black metal is really fucking limiting. Okay. You are not just strictly like, this is the way I look at it. I've been a musician for 30 years. I put out dozens of records. I've toured, I've done it all too. And I understand you have to label it in a certain way. So certain people can understand, but you have so many other things going on in your music than just, depressive black metal again like there's the goth elements there's some doom elements there's some death metal elements um there to me there's even some shoegazing elements in it just from the way the atmosphere is on the way you play um do you feel that you are just a black metal band or do you just use that term because it's perfect for bundling it into the label you're with the majority of people that are going to open the doorway to listen to this band well, I think like uh, since I started the project, I wasn't really trying to do anything other than what I think of as as just straight up black metal. Like to me, even like if you listen, like when I listen to especially the first two Suicide Forest demos, it sounds like like I mean, in my in the back of my mind, I'm like I'm just ripping off Panzerfaust or I'm you know just ripping off Philosophum or whatever. But and 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 that is kind of what I went back to like after I had written the first album and had released it and you know listening to it for a while. I felt it was kind of not where I wanted it to be. And so like when I was writing reluctantly, kind of going back to those black metal roots of just listening to like the lo-fi Dark Throne and Burzum, and literally those two bands were like the biggest influence probably for this project. And so it's, it's hard for me to really think about where else it goes because like that's, that's the primary influence. And I don't really, I mean, there's probably just, naturally i'll bring in other elements because i've been i've done other kinds of music i've been in a funeral doom band i've been in death metal bands so just kind of like my own musical in my own musical musings get weaved into everything but i'm in my mind i'm just kind of doing what what the people in norway were doing in nine in the 90s gotcha. hey that's cool no it totally makes sense uh so that's kind of gonna table me off to what i kind of want to talk about so yeah, it looks like you have many different projects that you work with that go from doom to death metal to prog and almost psych rock from what it looks like at, at times. Uh, is there anything that's out of the question for Suicide Forest? Like, is there something that you start writing and you think it's going to be a, a you know, Suicide Forest drift and you're like, oh, fuck no, pull that back. That's not going to happen. Uh, it, it, I want to say yes, but as like as I keep going, I find ways of bringing, of making those things sound more like Suicide Forest. Like there was uh, on the, uh, there's been a couple of times where just thinking like single note tremolo riffs, mm -hmm. 
You know what I'm talking about, where it's just like a single note playing, like in your it's a, a melody going on instead of like chords. I thought that's not really appropriate for this kind of music. It just doesn't fit the the atmosphere sound. But then I found a perfect way to incorporate it on uh, as the light fades part one. You know, and I did it the same thing like on one of the tracks on the last album. And so I can't really say I, I I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if it was like there's probably like a a few grooves that are like are black metal bands would be using that wouldn't work well for this, like drum grooves. Uh, but then, I don't know, I thought the same thing about, you know, the drum groove that was on uh, Light Fades Part 1. So, you know, who knows? I, I'll, say, I'll say that, you know, there's, I'm, I'm putting particular limitations because I want a certain kind of sound, but at the same time, taking things that I already know and forcing them to fit those limitations is how you kind of create new things. Absolutely. Um, so... I love that there's a limited vinyl release. Like that's just something that really makes me smile, man. Like when bands actually get an opportunity to put out a full size artwork and people can actually look at it and immerse themselves with it. I, I, I'm not one of those guys that likes to listen to one song and disappear. Uh, again, I told you, I, I'm an old dude. I, I'm 48. So, like, uh, I, I come from the world of, like, you put a record on, you listen to it, you move on to the next record. Like, and, and, and it's very enveloping. Like, the artwork and everything that I see seems very conscious. So, was there always a theme behind Reluctantly? Or, you know, or, or, or is it something that's just a collection of songs that you felt fit really well together? I mean, I don't know. It, it kind of organically became something that feels a lot more structured than I really intended it to be. I think, uh, I mean, I, the last song I wrote was the instrumental track, mm-hmm. but I, I knew even before it was written, I was like, I know exactly what needs to go in between these two songs, these, these songs and what order they're going to be in, just because there was, there's, there seemed to be a natural flow after having just four. And even like I had the four written and I thought I needed more. I thought I needed more material. But then as, as I worked on a little bit more, I realized that just those four tracks and then the instrumental track was really all I needed to kind of make a perfectly coherent release. And it was pretty organic. I don't, you know, honestly, all the lyrics came last. Actually the only song I had lyrics written for was the title track before uh, I had those written. I think before I had other songs written, but um, it wasn't until the album was almost done that I finished the rest of the lyrics. Cool. Uh, so he- here's a question that's going to make you think a bit. I do this with everybody, so it's your turn now to be able to try and answer this too. Um, so let's say uh, it's the old days and you're at a record store and somebody just happens to pick up your record and they look at you and they say, uh, hey, have you ever heard this? Is this any good? Could you explain to me what it sounds like? How would you explain your own band to someone that's going to listen to it for the very first time just because they picked it up, looked at the album cover and said, fuck, this looks cool? I don't know. I'd, I'd probably have to ask them what they usually listen to to kind of give them a gauge. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. What is this like? It's atmosphere, black mud on or no? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, if you need to be generic and paint yeah. by the numbers on it, that's completely cool. No, like that's what I say. Like, so, so let, let's dig a little bit deeper. Let's say the the kids never really listened to black metal before, and he literally just picked up the album cover because he's a he's a metal kid, but uh, mm. he's starting to experiment into different sounds. How would you explain that to someone like that? Maybe like use terms like minimalist or like of. Uh, 
simplified or just ambient, uh, you know, talk about atmosphere and like maybe try to compare like if they know of certain bands, be like maybe the atmosphere of this band with like the feel or the, the more of a sound of this band, like, you know, using like a, oh, it has like the feeling of like, a you know, a gothic album, like Floods from Sisters of Mercy, yeah. with like, you know, the the guitars and drums of like, I don't know if they don't listen to black metal, I guess you could say like the early, like Hello Waits or something or like Show No Mercy, right? Absolutely. No, no, that works great. No, no. And, and that's what I was going to say is you do have a lot of thrash and goth elements in it. And that's kind of cool that you just kind of brought it to that light that way when people, you know, w- when people haven't really listened to black metal before. I think this band in general is something that you don't have to love black metal to listen to and enjoy. And that's a really big compliment. So like in, in my personal opinion, like uh, that you use the Sisters of Mercy reference is fucking phenomenal to me because uh, my, I, I work with a friend. Of, of, uh, we're both supervisors at the company we work at. And we're the only two metalheads that are really there. So we talk about this kind of music and stuff all the time. And I played him your record. And I said, imagine if Sisters of Mercy was a fucking depressive black metal band. And he's like, really? And because he likes both those styles like I do, too. And he's like, I got to fucking listen to this. And he did. And he goes, holy shit. He's like, it is a depressive black metal band with a gothic overtone. So do you see a lot of fans coming from that side? Do you see fans kind of happening where they're, you know, coming from more of like a gothic or more of a kind of a atmospheric side rather than just black metal? It seems like that's kind of become a pretty common thing, at least these days. I don't know, like definitely here on the West Coast, it seems like people are, there's almost like a gothic renaissance. Like I I see a lot more Bauhaus shirts than I did like, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, I think maybe it's also just kind of like, people who like this kind of music realize that there was a lot of stuff that they missed out on. Yeah. And so they're going back and like listening to things that, you know, were really obscure in like the eighties or nineties, you know, and there's like a bit of a revival for some of that stuff too. It seems like, uh, and then like, even like take a look at what's happening in pop music. I mean, that's all like, and you know, that's all nostalgic driven, you know? And so I think within all culture, like we kind of are having this realization that we liked things the way they were before and so at least artistically and so people are going back and discovering old music again which i think is great you know i've the stuff i've been listening to a lot lately is stuff that was released you know 30 years ago trust me i get it Uh, i'm the old man yelling at the clouds about you know (laughs) about that stuff too man uh I, i go back and i have these moments where i i have my 80s and 90s like days where there's nothing i listen to and then there'll be a whole bunch of new stuff i listen to but cool no that that's very that's very awesome um, so if I was to tell you that I hear elements of bands like Bethlehem and Deanonychus in your music too, would you say that there are influences at all? Or... Uh, I, I, I couldn't say that because I haven't listened to enough of those bands. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. No, and the reason why I ask is because you're the closest thing that I've heard to Deanonychus, like on the, like, uh, like arc of thought record in a really long time. Like you mix all those elements that I love. You you mix the elements of doom, uh, atmospheric black metal, and kind of gothic elements all into something that's like not a lot of bands are doing right now. And I'm not like blowing smoke. I'm not praising for no reason whatsoever. It's just 
those are the elements that I like in black metal. And that's why I like this kind of style because it's not just uh, a static blast beat at 90 miles an hour. And you know what? I could put one of seven records on and it's really not going to make a fucking difference. Mm-hmm. Not that they're not good, but it's, you know, like, I, I mean, let, let's be honest. There's some black metal bands out there that, you know, you and I listen to that we love that are our, like our babies that, you know, we did. But if I put one of seven records on, you wouldn't know which one of those seven records it was. Like, right. it, you know, that's not you. So I kind of want to a- a- ask you in, in that respect, uh, are you are are you wanting to take it to different places? Because from even the EP, like the the split to this full length, reluctantly, I hear a lot more layers. Uh, is that something that you want to do in the future and kind of add more elephant elements, or are you pulling it back for future stuff? I think I really like where things got with uh, reluctantly, and so probably the the I mean, I was actually thinking about like what what's going to happen next because originally I was thinking I was going to do like an EP after this album came out, but now I'm just of the mind that I'm probably going to do another full length, and it's probably going to be uh, pretty similar to the direction that reluctantly went, trying to at least capture like what I had originally in mind with the verse suicide force demos and uh, developing it maybe a little bit more like those, uh, especially the very first one. It was so minimal and so basic, but the atmosphere was there, and so I kind of want to have that. A uh, simple minimalist aspect while still finding ways to keep it new and interesting. And cool. I think, yeah. No, awesome. No, continue on. If you want to say something else, that's more. No, than I was just, yeah, I'm just, I'm just rambling at this point. <laughs> Dude, that's what these. That's what an interview is. Two guys rambling about music they love. That's all it is. Uh, so, I, I guess the next thing I'm going to ask, and uh, I really kind of want feedback on this because. Being a one-man band, you're going to be able to have an insight on it that a lot of people don't. Um, so it's so easy today for anybody to get a four-track, an eight-track, get a you know a, a DAW, and be able to go in and record music. Uh, but there's a lot of good one-man music, and the problem is, is I think there's a stigma still, which is sad in this day and age. Where if you're not a full band, people don't look at it the same way as a full band. And I I, I, I want to kind of get your thoughts on it. Do you think there needs to be more of this exposed to people? Or is there just too much exposed? And that's why people are saying like, oh, it's another one of those one-man black metal bands. Because that's the thing I've most commonly seen about reviews for you. Is they jump on the one-man black metal bandwagon before they actually review the fucking record. And it drives me crazy. So talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, I think there definitely is an oversaturation of one-man black metal bands. Like Suicide Force wasn't even my first one-man project. <laughs> so like, you know, I don't necessarily blame them in thinking that. And, you know, every time I, I feel like I discover a new, like, unknown one, one-man project on, on Bandcamp or whatever, like, I'm listening to it and it's like sampled drums or it's like you can tell it's like not real bass or it's something where it's like you can tell the guy just plays guitar and did the vocals and then just kind of did like demo quality stuff and called itself called it a band you know and i i was always very like if i'm gonna be doing like a one-man band it better be real fucking drums gotcha that's cool yeah uh too many too many uh one-man bands out there using uh easy drums and uh, a whole bunch of bass synth patches yeah, and like that's cool with if you're writing stuff, but don't make me buy your album on a you know don't make me buy a release that you just made you know with your with MIDI programming like you didn't 
hire a real drummer to like put some parts to it. If you if you can't do if you can't do your own parts, you can hire a drummer. There's plenty of drummers out there who would do it for you. A uh, prime example right here, my friend. Uh, my 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 musical partner is the drummer in my project because I cannot play drums. And yeah. I'm, to I'm totally with you. We're a two piece just for that purpose because I can't fucking play the drums, man. It's been uh, totally cool, totally cool. Um, if there were two bands that you would say that influenced you the most for Suicide Forest, who are they? Who are they, and why? Two bands that influenced the most. It's it's hard to say because the influence have really changed over the time. Like when I first had the idea of like depressive black metal, the only depressive black metal I really listened to was like Dilight, uh, okay. Zaster probably. And then in like 2016, uh, after, right, right after the first demo came out, I got really, really into Shining. And I got really, really into uh, bands like Make a Change, Kill Yourself or Leviathan. I got really heavy into Leviathan after that. Now that like I had, I listened to Leviathan before that, but I like, kind of rediscovered Leviathan in like 2016. Um, and those were probably the early, earlier influences for sure. But then like kind of, uh, especially when I was thinking about like writing reluctantly, just kind of going back and listening to just the pure black metal roots that I had, that I had mentioned before, like, you know, the, the, the Burzum and Dark Throne records that I was really into and just pulling, like thinking about their, their approach to particularly like drumming and riff writing. Okay. Cool. Yeah, well, you can hear the Burzum vibes in it. So I, I totally understand the atmospheres are there. Um, Make a Change, Kill Yourself is very cool. Uh, uh, you, can, you can definitely hear that as well, too. Um, I'm definitely going to have to check out the older stuff just because I, I want to hear it now because you're telling me it's more simplified and a little bit more raw and chaotic. So like The first demo didn't even have bass on it. Like, originally, <laughs> like, the idea for Suicide Force was like, I'm going to make it so minimal. And I was also like in a really shitty place. So I was like, I just don't give a fuck. I'm just going to make just whatever this ends up sounding like is what it's going to fucking end up sounding like. And nice. so I just did like, you know, two, one or two takes for the drums with a really simple drum setup and like the guitars just straight off of the amp, keys straight into the, you know, the interface and then the vocals. I didn't even record bass for the first demo. Uh, and then I, I performed it live with like just a couple friends, like, and I was like, oh, okay, that was the first and only live time I'll ever do this. Nice. That, ended up, that ended up changing because uh, after that, there was a bit more of a demand for like a black metal band to play some shows in, around town. And uh, I had a friend who wanted to do bass, and so I started adding bass to, the, uh, bass to the mixes. And so, I mean, I probably should have just added bass the first time, but it just didn't end up happening. Hey, it's that point in time, right? And then everything yeah. changes from there. Um, so being from Tucson, is, is there a scene there right now for this kind of stuff? Because even in Phoenix, it's kind of really minimal right now. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, it kind of comes and goes. Like, there's, it comes in waves. Uh, people get really interested in hardcore. Then people get really interested in death metal. And then, you know, people, there's, you'll have, like, a small pocket of people who are interested in black metal. It seemed to, like, there, it was building because for a while there was a couple bands that was doing, like, regular black metal shows here. And we would also, like bring bands from like Texas or California or even from Phoenix. And so there was a, there is a little bit of like a, a black metal scene here, I would say, but it's, it's very, it's very tight and it's, it is small, you know, but it's, uh, it's not hard to put on a good black metal show here. Cool. 
Yeah, it's not hard for it to hear either, but there's less and less bands doing it now, which is kind of, I mean, I know nobody's playing live right now, but, uh, but it, you know, back a year ago, even there was not that many black metal bands that were local. Uh, there's a lot more kind of death core and technical death metal stuff that's kind of happening here right now. So there was definitely a lot of that. I feel like maybe over the past like four or five years, there's been like maybe three or four bands that are, have become like pretty active and doing stuff. And so like, it's, it's easy to kind of, you know, every couple of months get together and it's just like local black, local black metal or like black and death metal or something similar, you know? Cool. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about your other projects. Cause I kind of wanted to do that as well, because I find it really interesting that you play so many varying styles. Does it ever become difficult to kind of separate the different projects together uh, do they start maybe blending together sometimes when you start writing riffs? Like you're not sure if it's going to go to project X, Y, or Z. I don't, I don't know. It's usually uh, it's more about like uh, I'll have like a period of time where I'm just focused on one project, and then I'll like not even worry about that for months and not even think about it. You know, like that's kind of what happened with Suicide Forest, like at least recently because I just did the album, and so it's like all right, now I don't even need to think about that. I'm going to focus on like this EP that I've been thinking about or conceptualizing for a long time. And that sounds, you know, completely different because it's a completely different mindset. And then, you know, I also like there's a, uh, some other projects where it's a little bit more collaborative. And so there's a little bit less of a, a focus on me to like prepare all the material. And it's mm -hmm. more about like other people bring material and I'm just kind of in, I'm, I'm part of like the development or part of the arrangement or part of, you know, taking that riff and then doing something with it to, you know, make a song longer or whatever. So I think it's more of like kind of, I guess in the same way that the music scene here changes, it changes in waves. Uh, my, uh, the, the riffs that I want to write, they'll, uh, they'll change in waves as well. Gotcha. Awesome. Uh, so are you working on one of the, uh, one of the other projects right now for a release or are you focusing just on suicide forest at the moment? Actually at the moment I'm renovating my studio. So, gotcha. Yeah, right now, like all of all my music projects are at least writing stuff is like I'm taking a, a minute because I had I, I released like fucking five releases in 2020. Wow. Uh, like it was it was a lot. And so I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to fix my studio now. And then when that's done, I'm, I don't even know what project is next in line, but something will something will start happening. Probably the psychedelic rock band will start writing material because we want to release a full length soon. Cool. Um, that, that's awesome to know. Uh, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a kind of a left to center question. Cause I always love to kind of get feedback for this too. Have you gotten any reviews recently that kind of shocked you, uh, and maybe kind of said something that I don't care if it's positive, negative, cause you know what, there's no such thing as bad press. Like it, it's just, you know, inspires and gets people to listen to it. I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, my band until the sky dies got a zero out of 10 out of uh, uh, from angry metal guy. And it was probably the greatest moment in my goddamn life because more people bought the record. Cause they said he was a fucking moron. Cause it was a zero out of 10. than getting a 10 out of 10 review in most places. Mm -hmm. So like, I, I kind of, have you gotten a review where you were like, Holy shit. They don't get it at all. Or Holy shit. They've listened to it in a way that I've, I, I did never really thought somebody would hear it. I think for Suicide Forest, it was probably the positive reviews okay. that I was like, surprised about, <laughs> uh, especially like in the in the beginning. Like I had I had no intention for it to, to do anything. Like I you know I put barely any effort into the first demo, and then like the second demo, 
I released on Bandcamp and a, you know, a guy in Italy wanted to release it on CD okay. and it got released on CD just cause he liked it. And I'm like, if you fucking say so, dude, <laughs> you know, like it's, uh, it's kind of weird. Um, I get with suicide forest is like the most successful I've had with any of my projects so far, but it's probably like the least invested I am in like caring what other people think about it. Sure. You know, there have been other projects where like I really enjoyed the material and I, you know, I really liked what we did. Maybe I didn't like, you know, something about the release or whatever, like production wise or something, but I still like the material. And then someone like wrote a review and like shit all over. It. And I'm like, that fucking sucks. Yeah, I, I, I get it. Trust me. They, <laughs> you read them and then you get mad and then you realize, ah, you know what? Not everybody's going to like everything. So that's just yeah. the way in the world. Well, and it's like with Suicide Force, I feel like the only actual like bad reviews that I've ever gotten have been from people who don't even like the genre to begin with. Yeah. Or they make it obvious that they don't even like the genre to begin with. So what the fuck do I care what you think? Yeah. No, and that makes complete sense. Um, and this is also such a small genre that, you know, um, if, if people are going to like it, they're going to like it. And uh, it's really hard to win over fans on this kind of music. It's like, it's either something that you grow into or uh, hear instantly or like. It's not like, you know, if I play somebody that doesn't like depressive, you know, black metal, and then I play them another record two years later, I get the same input or the same influence. Like, they're like, yeah, I just don't get it, man. I just don't get it. Okay, that, that's fine. But I, I think that's special for this kind of music, though. Um, I really feel like you either like it, understand it, uh, can feel the, you know, the, 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 the vibe you're trying to get with it, or it's just not for you. Um, and if, if that changes, I think we lose a kind of a special vibe for it. So, um, I, I don't know if you feel the same way or not. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh. I don't really make this kind of music ex expecting people to like it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I've always played like extreme music and, you know, I've never like the people around me, at least like family wise, like they never were into it. My family doesn't like music, let alone like metal, you know? So, you know, I, I wasn't really, you know, I never really thought about like, oh man, I really hope that people like this or people think about this in like a good way. I'm just like, I just want to make this, you know? I just wanted to make it. And especially because like with Suicide Forest, I had the capability to, like I, I was playing in a funeral doom band at the time. And so I wasn't really thinking about like doing another band or another project, but I just, I knew I had these like these riffs for like these uh, depressive black metal songs. And I had a cool name that I liked. And so I was like, I'll just record this and put it on Bandcamp. Cool. Um, have you ever thought about uh, using other musicians on a record or is it always going to stay a one man thing? It's definitely, it's definitely been, thought about like uh especially like talking to the people i've performed live with obviously they they'd like to you know be be more involved it's just it's hard for me to really think of that as being suicide forest anymore okay you know because it's uh it's the whole creative process the way like the way i do things is very like it, it's very sporadic and it's very like it's only going to work if i'm doing it that way I feel, at least i feel like the only way i can get it to come out the way that it came out is because of my really chaotic creative process that wouldn't really work with other people. Okay. No, that that's, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Um, so 
I guess this is going to be an interesting last question then because <laughs> of the statement you just made. Uh, I, I asked this question last to everybody uh, and I always just love to get a vibe. So let's say uh, reluctantly is done. Uh, it, it hasn't been released yet and you can hand it to anyone, any artist. I don't care who it is. I don't care what style. I don't care if they're living, dead, whatever. And they can rework it and make it in their own image. Who would you want to try and do that and why? Typo negative. Why? I, I feel like that's, that's like the only band that isn't like a, a, a black metal band who could probably capture the same kind of feel. Like that same kind of like that they'd turn it into more of like a droney kind of gothic thing. But I think that's like probably a, a good direction it could go in. You know? That's funny. Uh, I, I mean, I could, I could definitely hear. Uh, so I'm just going to give you a little sidebar. Uh, so typo negative has haunted my life for like, well, I grew up in New Jersey, uh, lived in, uh, lived in the New York area, knew Pete Steele and those guys for years. Uh, and like literally, uh, typo negative comes up in more conversations than ever to me. And I never bring it up. Like, it's just one of these strange things. Like I swear to God that typo negative, like you said, is the most black metal unblack metal band there is. It's like, completely true. Everyone <laughs> I know who likes black metal fucking loves typo negative. Right. You can't separate them. No, you can't. And it's because of those gothic overtones and those dark atmospheres. Just like we talked about in the beginning. They tie together in this music to like this weird brotherhood and sisterhood that you can never separate. Um, so I'm going to dig a little bit deeper in this because I like what you said. And what period typo negative? Oh, man. Oh, and the reason why I do that is because you know what I'm saying. There are yeah. four distinct different periods of typo negative. Yeah, it would have, I mean, probably Bloody Kisses. Okay. Bloody Kisses era. Just because that's like, when I think like, like 90s goth meets metal, that's almost kind of what comes to mind. And so like the, and that to me is like what I think of as typo negative, you know? Like, oh, awesome. so, Yeah. Now all you got is I know someone. <laughs> like you just you got these songs on my head. I know someone else is fucking like these it's, these things are in my head now. Uh, yeah, no, but uh, Bloody Kisses is, is is definitely the period I was thinking that would be the best fit because um, to me it's when he still had that kind of carnivore mentality. Yeah, and, and it was still kind of aggressive, but he was moving into that goth kind of style. And it's the best of both worlds. Um, the other band I was going to really say that like kind of does that. And I don't know if you like them at all is life of agony. Uh, so like you, I, I think, I, I think typo negative or life of agony could do really interesting things for your music. Uh, so like I said, if, if you've never heard a river runs red through uh, from life of agony, check it out because I really think that you will dig that record. Um, yeah, but uh, other than that, uh, I am going to leave the door for, open for you right now to kind of talk about the, your projects, your music, whatever you want. Uh, it's kind of your, your, your pulpit right now for the next couple of minutes. Talk about whatever you wish. Yeah, um, I don't know. I guess uh, 2020 was a pretty productive year. Like I started with the recording the Suicide Forest album, and then I released two EPs from my psychedelic rock projects, Temple, TMPL. Uh, I also did two like demo EPs for this project that was inspired, like 
Uh, I don't know if you remember when the fires were happening here in Tucson, yeah. but it was like the same week that the George Floyd riots were happening. And so like literally like it was lockdown happened and then George, George Floyd protests while all of the mountains surrounding Tucson were on fire. And so it's just kind of like there was a period of like two weeks where it literally just felt like the world, like this is Armageddon, like the world is ending. And uh, so just in that time, I ended up writing like, Two, e two demo EPs that are very, like, Bathory meets Vaughn, Blasphemy-esque. And then, like, I had, a, I had a friend do the vocals on it, but I did all the other instruments. And then we released, uh, we released that, and that was a lot of fun. That, was, uh, that band's called Protatorium. We released the, both of those on Bandcamp for free. Uh, I have a Dungeon Synth project <laughs> that I released a full length for. Uh, I, do, I did an ambient release with uh, the, the live bass player for Suicide Forest. We have an ambient project we do together. Uh, so yeah, a lot of, I, I do a lot of music and I'm kind of always staying busy with that kind of stuff. Cool. Um, what can we look forward to for Suicide Forest? Is there anything besides the album coming out in the near future or? Well, I mean, hopefully we can start touring again as soon as that can happen. Like ideally, like my goal was as soon as I graduated, which was May of 2020, I was hoping to just start touring right away. But, you know, March, March came around and uh, canceled that idea. So I'm just kind of still waiting for that to happen. And uh, that'll, that's probably going to be the next thing is getting, uh, getting back to performing and doing some touring and then working on another full length. Awesome. Are you going to work with uh, Avant-Garde, continue on with them? or Probably. Uh, we haven't discussed it yet, but I don't see why I wouldn't unless I get offered like, you know, a really good deal from another label. But, you know, whatever. Cool. Awesome. Well, uh, Austin, again, thank you so very much for doing this with me uh, on this Sunday night. Uh, Clint from The Doorway 2, uh, hanging out with uh, Austin from Suicide Forest. Uh, and again, uh, you have a great night, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me.